podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN in association with Betfred. Good to have you with us, gang. Week 14 review show coming your way. Jay Bell back in the house. We've missed him, but he's back. The hardest working man in show business. And we've got a lot to be getting into as the playoff picture starts to take shape. Although so many questions to be asked. What is going on with those Steelers and the receivers in particular tour? Was that the best game of his career so far? Giving Mahomes and the Chiefs a fright. Jalen Hurts stepping in in Philly as well. And talk about the NFC East. Who's going to land that division wide open once again with the way the results have gone so much to be getting into. So we will get straight down to business and welcome the brilliant Jay Bell. You know what? We are blessed, gang. We are blessed. Last week, OCU Manura. This week, Jason Bell. I mean, it's the dream team in the house. Hey, man, as long as I can be on this train, I am all good. I love it, man. It's good to be back with you, my brother, Nat. You are a busy human being. Hey, you know what? I just introduced you as the hardest working man in showbiz. And I, and I think because a few times now I've dropped that with you. And that is now trademarked. Trademarked. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. It's better to be busy than uh, not to be hardworking. And OC has accused me of that before. <laughs> right. Let's get that to business. There's a ton to talk about. I want to start with, with Sunday Night Football. I want to start with the Steelers' Bills. What is going horribly wrong for the Steelers right now? Why? I mean, look, let's start with the receivers and catching because that's the, one of the big stories. On the show last week, I was saying that this is the kind of thing, a little bit like a turnover differential. It doesn't last. It, doesn't, you know, it will level itself out. But we have another game, another week, where the problem persists. What do you think is going on there, J-Bell? Well, the issue is, it, is they can't run the ball. Right. And they've tried to manufacture that running game with the quick, short, precise passes. That's hard to maintain, especially when you have a game off or a few games off, right? You want to go back to your running game, lean on that, be able to move the yard, and then set up the play-action pass or things of that nature. They are not able to do that. Another thing that's happened is because they throw so much, even though this offensive line is the strength of their team, they're not good at run blocking right now. Because they haven't done it. And this is why we say being able to run the ball matters, especially in the fourth quarter of the season. And they cannot do that. And it has caught up to them. What are they going to do? Because, I mean, look, 47 yards on 17 carries combined. There's the running backs combined, right? Three different ones. 2.8 yards a carry. Connor's shown in the past he's got the potential, the ability to play a level up. The other two, with Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels, okay, kind of serviceable ground game, but neither are filling us with confidence at the moment. So what do they do? Looking at a situation like this, the Steelers, getting to this stage of the season, they're still the number two seed, remember, so let's not get too carried away, but they're trending the wrong direction, and that is quite clearly a big problem. So what do they do? I mean, they got to get hot in the passing game. This is who they are, and they can't be a team with that strength of that receiver core that has an off week. They don't have the luxury of that. Remember in the past, we said uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were all about the three Bs, Roethlisberger, Bell, and Brown, right? And if one of them was off, the other one picked it up. Right. They don't have that this year on offense. The defense is playing well. They're maintaining. I don't like that they don't have Bud Dupree. That mm. has impacted them a lot because now you can focus on T.J. Watt and double-team him all game. He still makes plays, but yet 
you can slow him down. Yeah. They just don't have the luxury of having a day off with that receiving core. They have to be precise in that short passing game because that's how they move the ball. This is who they are. It doesn't change in the fourth quarter of the season going into the playoffs. And I guess a lot of it is, is on the, the receivers, but some of it's on Big Ben as well. He was you know, missing a few throws against the Bills, certainly. And, and it's crucial that he is in that rhythm, in that lockstep. Josh Allen, uh, on the other hand, another solid day for him, particularly helped, of course, by Stefan Diggs. And that is all coming together. That was very uh, demonstrably the missing piece of the unit of the jigsaw last time out for the Bills. Diggs had another massive day, 140 yards uh, and a score in prime time. That's what they brought him in for, j Yeah, that's why they paid him all that money and gave him that contract because he was the missing piece. And what's really uh, great about this Bills team is what Josh Allen's kind of ride so far. Mm. He started off, he was an MVP conversation. He kind of slowed down. We were questioning him and, oh, is he going to revert back? Is, he, is this what he is? And now he's come back up and he's showing us exactly why we were all hype on him and on the hype train. Uh, and what I really enjoy about his performance is that it's later on in the season, right? He's adjusted to his mistakes and they've built this team around his strengths. I mean, that's why Stefan Diggs is so uh, dynamic for this team. And when you got a quarterback like this, who's got an arm like this, who can play in the elements, when you know at this down, at this stretch of the season, you have to be able to throw in the wind, rain, snow, whatever. They mm. got that guy. Uh, Josh Allen is a superstar. He really is. It seems to be, uh, as you say, becoming a permanent fixture in that collection of, of top tier quarterbacks. 100 catches, incidentally, for Diggs on, on the season. So wow. Even I could do that maths, right? I mean, that, that's <laughs> let me ask you something, Jay Bell. Clearly, the Bills wouldn't be as strong without Diggs. And, and uh, I'm not sure they would necessarily be in, in, the, in the mix without Diggs in the way that they are as, as a serious contender in the AFC. Because after last night, we've got to take them as that. But where would Allen be, do you think? Would we be seeing this level of progression? Uh, irrespective of, of digs, You know what? I'm not sure because, right, it's a team game. And they knew what they did well and what I have to give Sean McDermott and this staff credit for is they played – Sean McDermott played with Cam Newton, okay? Mm-hmm. He's seen this kind of quarterback, big physical, big arm. So he understands what this guy needs, what tools this guy needs. So I'm not sure if Josh Allen will be playing the same way without digs. It's hard to say, but they have put the places in there and the pieces for them. What I do love about him is he's such a running threat. He's so athletic. I think that he understands that he can he can stress teams in a certain way to then play favorable coverages for them, and he's aware of that. So mm. he would be able to adjust, but, I mean, Diggs is a huge piece for them because of his elite route running ability. Mm, heavyweight stuff. Uh, speaking of which, the Bills' defense last couple of years, a well-organized unit, it's one of the things I think that's cemented Sean McDermott's credibility as a, as a, as a top coach in, in the league. But it is a defense that hasn't been playing particularly well, at least certainly statistically, it seems to have been kind of underplaying compared to previous years this year. But it was a big night for the Bills, D, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, and at first, I feel like at the beginning of the season, he thought he had his defense of old years. He thought they would be that same way. He thought they could play the same way. And he realized it wasn't. They were different players, so they had to adjust. And the one thing he does, if you ever watch McDermott, is he exposes your pass-blocking scheme. And that's what he does well. He finds a way to bring pressure because he knows how you're going to block up front. Mm. And he's just gotten 
very much more dynamic with that this year because he's now aware of what talent he has on that team and on that roster. So him and Leslie Frazier have adjusted as the season has progressed. Uh, and I'm seeing that. That's what you see with good staffs is their ability to change dependent on their talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Belichick's always said it, right? All of a sudden, it's been always said about Belichick. That's a team that gets stronger and stronger usually as the season goes on, right? And you can, uh, you can definitely sense that that is happening right now with the Bills amongst others. They stay in the three seed then uh, in the playoff spot. Above them, the Steelers dropped to number two after that defeat. And the Chiefs in the box seat right now with that win over Miami. But hey, it was, it was a close and fascinating game, j as we figured it might be. What a start for Miami. And you've got to give props to, to the defense and Brian Flores there. It, Mahomes has not thrown multiple interceptions in a game all season long. He throws three in this game. And that's because the defense... Well, maybe not getting in his head, but certainly making life very difficult for him. I mean, this is why you got to love Miami. I mean, I love their head coach. I love what he brings. I'm, I'm a Brian Flores fan. That team starts fast. I mean, this is what they are. They always do. They, they, they've been starting fast uh, pretty much all year. Right. And the looks he gives are amazing. But what is so dynamic about this team is that they change up each week depending on their – opponent. Now, I understand. I love their corners. They play well. They do great. Xavier Howard is having an unbelievable year. Byron Jones, obviously a huge acquisition. Are they the best tag team, J-Bell, in the league right now? I think so. I I think so. And you see, by the way, their defense is playing. Mm. And and yeah, I, I think so. And then I think because they are constantly changing to what the opponent does, but they're, you know, they're the pieces that they're what makes it happen because they can play man covers, period. Right, right. You know, you can, you, you can be creative when you've got some solidarity on one side. So if you've got a great front, you can be simple and you can do some difficult things in the back end and vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. So I think Brian Flores morphs into what he needs to do that week, and it's because these guys on defense understand technique. They can change in how they play because they play great technique. And I see that every week. They cause people so many problems. And if this offense uh, under Tua can emerge and be able to score points in bunches, uh, this is going to be serious. When I watched this defense in this game, I saw a breaking point uh, when uh, Miami was three and out a couple of times. And I was like, that offense needs to make a drive because this defense is going to wear down. And they kind of did, but they bounced back. And that's the only thing. If you can just get them enough rest, they are dangerous. It was textbook uh, Chiefs under Reed, wasn't it? Just those two strikes so quick at the start of of the second half. And and the same protagonists again. You know, Kelsey was solid all the way through and Mahomes was obviously leaning on him a lot. But Tyreek Hill blowing things up. Michael Hardman as well, that huge uh, return play as well. And suddenly before you knew it, uh, they were out of out of sight. But that was what was so impressive about Miami was that they they scrapped back, they fought back, they made this a fight. Yeah, you know, I, I'd ha- I, I hate to say this, but the score made it look closer than it was. You know, when I was watching as a fan and looking for momentum, at no time did I think Kansas City could not uh, attack and score. You know, mm-hmm. I just I just felt very confident. And the thing about them is, let's look at where their money spent, Kansas City. It's on offense. It's on the playmakers. So uh, their defense needs to come up uh, with a couple of stops, a couple of turnovers. But if you keep getting the ball back in their hand, and even on special teams, I know they're going to make yards. They're going to make big plays because they do. I mean, Sammy Watkins is your fourth receiver. Right. I mean, and he is, he is amazing. So, mm. I mean, all those guys can step up and they're supposed to. 
I kind of like that they play close games. I feel like they're they're on that nice edge, which is good for them. <laughs> so uh, this is who they are, and uh, we know they can score in bunches. And you got Patrick Mahomes, who was the MVP. I don't know about now, but he was mm. he was right there. But uh, you know, that guy, so, yeah. Where are you know, going with that? Where where's you? So Rogers, obviously. It, yeah, it's, it's hard between to go those two. Between those, it's between those it's two. hard to go no against Rogers. Rogers isn't making any mistakes. I mean. You know, Rodgers just has such a command of that offense this year. Mm. And, you know, you were watching him closely to see his second year under this regime and everything like that. And he's just, I mean, he's looks, he looks like he's playing around out there. He's so in control of everything. Yeah. And Devontae Adams is just destroying people. So when he's got his number one guy healthy and them two are on the same page, there's a huge amount of trust. And, you know, for Aaron Rodgers, that's when he's at his best, when he can trust his receivers in the passing game. If you're comparing the two, and, and if we're talking MVP, you, you obviously have to, right? Although they're in fundamentally different situations. How much emphasis should we place on that? The fact that, as you just said quite rightly, Mahomes, incredible, but he has Kelsey. He has Watkins. He has Hill. He has Hardman. He has all these pieces around him. Whereas, yes, he has Devontae Adams playing, you know, maybe – the best ball out of any receiver in the league right now, but Valdez Scantling, he is erratic. Lazard's been injured. He's got yeah. a decent running game behind him, but he doesn't have the same range of weapons. So should that add extra marks and extra validity to Aaron Rodgers' case for MVP, do you think? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and it's because it's, it's, it's I, I look at it as a corner and I say this. If Say I was an all-pro corner, but I got OCU Manure and Michael Strahan. Can you hold that against me in my performance? Mm-hmm. You can't. I got to do what I got to do. I'm lucky enough to have them putting that pressure on. So when I look at I mean, listen, Kansas City is full of weaponry, but Patrick Mahomes, the way the, the, they can do those things because of him. Mm-hmm. The same way Green Bay can do the things they can because of Aaron Rodgers. These guys, everything's built around them. If you move them out of the way, it all crumbles. So mm-hmm. uh, those two, I look at them purely on what they do. And the reason, and it's back and forth. And when I see Patrick Mahomes get turnovers like that, I say, well, you know, now Aaron Rodgers has stepped up in the MVP race because he's not doing so let me ask you this. As we said, Jay, Jay Bell, one of the hardest working men in show, sorry, Trey Bell, the hardest working man in show business. Um, you know, you're an elite athlete, you're a TV star, you're a businessman, you got a lot of strings to your bow. When do you inevitably take on a GM role at an NFL franchise, right? Which is, sorry, it's only a matter of time, Jay Bell. It's only a matter of time. Who are you taking as your quarterback? Take age out of it, right? Well, let's assume that Rogers has got another five years in the tank, which he might well do, I guess. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking right now? You got to have one of these two quarterbacks. Who are you going with? I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I'm going with Patrick Mahomes, and it's I have this fascination with quarterbacks that played shortstop in baseball. Right. You know, when you look at Kyler Murray, you uh, look at Russell Wilson. It's you know, when you're a baseball player and you're a shortstop, you're constantly throwing the ball off balance. Mm-hmm. And Aaron Rodgers can do it too. But, man, the stuff Mahomes can do uh, under great coaches like what he has with Andy Reid, I'm just mesmerized. So I have, I have to go with him. It's, it's, I can do so much with him. Mm. And like I said, I can do it with Rodgers too, but I just feel like 
maybe 5%, 10% more with Patrick Mahomes. So I got to build around him. It's an incredible matchup as well, isn't it? Or a partnership that Andy Reid, for everything he has done as an innovator through the years, is matched up at this stage of his career with a quarterback that can take that to the, to the next level. You look at the evolution of, of his offensive playbook. And I was reading a great piece about Reid. I think it was in Sports Illustrated a couple of years back and talking about where he gets inspiration from. And one of his staff was saying he came in to uh, the organization on Monday morning just eyes wide, beaming, really excited because he'd found some high school play that he wanted to play <laughs> It's like the guy's been in the game for 30 years and he's still that motivated and gets that excited about finding it out. It's just a brilliant, brilliant partnership. And on that note, one of the narratives that's kicking around right now is that the Chiefs, uh, coasting's maybe a little bit too harsh, but there is a sense right now that they are, are, are not in fifth gear yet. And that's almost deliberate. And I get that they're going to hold some stuff back for, for the playoffs and not show their hand too much when they don't need to. And they're finding a lot of games relatively straightforward. And I agree with you, although the Finns made it a fight at no point once they took the lead, did you ever think the Chiefs were, were going to lose that lead again? But are you buying into that, Jason, that, that somehow the Chiefs haven't yet struck their fifth gear? You know, it's hard to say this because I know these guys are professionals. They're out there playing hard. They want to win games. And, yeah, they want to blow out teams. But this is the NFL. Uh, it's tight. People come with their A game against the Chiefs because they don't want to get embarrassed. They understand. They, they come into that week ready to go. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you are getting blown out of the waters. And, yes, everyone would like to see them score uh, – just blow teams out and score a bunch of points, but it's not going to happen, right? This People know what to do to take away their threats. And you pick one or two. If you take away Tyreek Hill like Miami tried to do, then other players have to get loose. And it might take a second for that to happen. But what I love about Kansas City is they have answers to the test now. They'll go to the short, quick passing game, to the run game. They'll do different things depending on what you take away. Uh, I li- You know, I think they're a better team than last year. And I like that they play in battles like this because that's what the playoffs is going to be. And if you haven't been in that situation where you don't understand how to turn it on or turn it off or uh, uh, have some ups and downs, uh, it's hard to figure out in the playoffs. So I I think they're all right. Yeah, I think they're going to get better and they continually will because they are the best offense in the the NFL. Uh, But yet it's a complete team game. So uh, it's how your defense is playing, how your special teams is playing. And I think this team is – they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, it's going to have to be a bad matchup in the playoffs for them to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're now particularly in in the box seat, the number one seat as well. Extra uh, importance, of course, this time around with the 17 playoff. And speaking of which, the Finns are in that seventh spot. And with the Bills win, that's pretty much locked in, if not mathematically, but almost certainly the, the divisional title for Buffalo. So Miami are going to be scrapping for a wild card. In that mix of the Ravens, and of course, we're taping this Monday, uh, Baltimore playing tonight against Cleveland. The Raiders dropped to ninth now after that heavy defeat to the Colts. And they fired Paul Gunter, their uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, as a result, I mean, their defense has been struggling, I think, diplomatically over the last couple of weeks. So this is a team that we knew, J-Bell, was always built offense first, right? I mean, it, that was, they are going to be, as they, as they proved against the Chiefs, right? They are one of those teams that can go toe-to-toe and put up the points. Defense was never going to be uh, the thing that defined them, unlike Miami, which uh, I think you could argue it's the other way around. But a big decision to make when they're still in the, in the playoff hunt with a few games of the regular season to go. What did you make of that call? 
I mean, we know what Gruden is. He's an offensive guy, right? Right. He, and he doesn't have time for if, if your defense isn't playing well, he doesn't have time for that. And at some point, somebody has to be the fall guy. Right. Uh, and when the pressure's on from the owner or anything like that, the GM, whatever, um, you have to make a change. Now, in Gruden's case, he's there for another, what, eight years? Or so is four years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not going anywhere. But for your fan base, you have to say enough's enough. We're not going to take this. Uh, Paul Gonther has had his ups and downs as a, a, a defensive play caller in this league. Mm. So, you know, when you say we need to fix something and it isn't fixed and it impacts your game and your performance, somebody's got to go, either players or the coaches, and you see who it was. Harsh, though. Brutal. It's a brutal business, as you always tell me, right? It, so, it really is, yeah, man. Yeah. It is performance-based. Week to week. Uh, well, Greg Williams is available, so <laughs> you know. Maybe oh at, man, don't call at, him! <laughs> don't don't call him. Him and Gruden might be fighting on the sideline. <laughs> Are you actually, kidding me? <laughs> I think they might. I think they might. Them too? Oh man! Don't call him, uh, Pagey. Pagey, Greg Williams. Uh, the Colts six seed uh, with that big win. Uh, for them, nine and four is their record, and another solid day for Philip Rivers. I mean, you know, we're chatting about Rivers earlier on in the season, right? And and I guess divided as most of us are about Rivers, divided opinion right now because he clearly got, comes into this Colts organization that was challenging anyway and takes them up a notch because of the experience and because of his overall ability. But he doesn't have the deep ball. He is prone to mistakes at crucial times in the game. Where do you think this story ends? Do you think that this is going to look and, and ultimately be looked back on as a, as a, as a brilliant move? I'm not saying the Colts are going to win the Super Bowl, but if they have a deep playoff run and Rivers continues to play like he's doing, that was a, a successful play. Do you think it is going to end that way? Is he showing you enough? You know what? He has to do everything right. I mean, the big thing with, with him is if his footwork isn't right, he doesn't have the ability to move up in the pocket like he used to and right. deliver the ball, right? When you get older, uh, things slow down. I mean, he can't make mistakes with his technique. But this is all about Frank Wright to me. Frank mm-hmm. Wright understands Phillip Rivers. Listen, when Frank Wright left Philly, we see what's happened. We, we, we see how important he was. Right. Uh, you know, he, we see he gets quarterbacks ready to play, whoever they are, whatever their skill set is. He builds a game plan around them. And I have faith in him and Phillip Rivers and their um, – how they work together and their mm-hmm. relationship. So this is more to me about Frank Wright being able to get Phillip Rivers to do the things that he can do well uh, this season. And you can see it. The one thing about Phillip Rivers is this. If you are behind and you need him to go and become a gunslinger, mm-hmm. he'll turn it on. Mm-hmm. And he's got to win. He's going to have to win a game in the playoffs like that. And he's not scared to be that guy. But if you need to slow him down and say, we got this, we're running the ball well, we're doing, we're playing well on defense, Frank Wright can control that uh, mm-hmm. with the way he's built the game plan and the way he can speak to Phillip Rivers. So I like that relationship, uh, and this is why he went and got Phillip Rivers. Mm, it's a great point. Let, let, it takes us nicely to the NFC, actually. We'll start with the Eagles then, because we talked about Wright. Uh, because we're seeing that more than ever now, right? The uh, out of everything that has gone wrong with Philly so far this season, and things are looking up, and keen to get your thoughts on Jalen Hurts, but Carson Wentz is just a shadow of the player that he was, and and Frank Reich's absence, I think, is instrumental there. Incidentally, uh, eleven and two Philly without Carson Wentz at quarterback. I mean, that tells you uh, uh, <laughs> pretty much everything you need to know. His day 
as an, his days are numbered in, in, in Philadelphia quite clearly now after that debut performance from Jalen Hurts because there was always a chance, of course, that Hurts comes in and he wasn't one of those top, top, top quarterbacks in the draft. He was a quarterback we knew all about, of course, because of the Alabama situation and because uh, he's a dynamic player as well, so getting attention. But it's not like he was a, you know, a Herbert, a two, uh, top five, top six pick. So it wasn't clear cut that he was going to uh, acclimatize and just drop straight in. But based on what we saw last night, uh, and of course, big win for Philly, they're suddenly back in the mix as well. Things are looking up for, for the Eagles. What did you make of Jalen Hurts' debut? I liked it. I mean, the team seemed confident and they rallied around him. He shows, and, and you know, this, I, this is not my perception, this is things I read, that he's a leader. You mm-hmm. know, people have always talked highly about him and his character. Uh, they've actually uh, compared him to Dak Prescott, that kind of guy. And, right. and everybody speaks highly of Dak Prescott. What you got to realize is when you bring a guy in off the bench, especially a quarterback, especially one with movement, it's hard to prepare. No tape. You have zero tape on the guy. Mm. So as a coordinator, you're thinking, I'm, I think he's going to do this. I think he's going to do that. You put him on the field. You're adjusting on the fly. He has the advantage. Now, going into the second start, you got a little bit of an understanding of what he does well, what it makes him uncomfortable, and you call the play to take away what he does well. We talk about every quarterback, they do that. As soon as they find out what you do good, we are going to make you play, not be able to do that. Show us you can do something else. That's how you become elite. So he had the advantage with that, and mm. that's what I saw last night. His movement allowed them to get the running game back started, which mm. was absent for weeks. You know, so that that the threat of him opened up the running game, and you see by all those running yards they had um, that gave them the success they needed the ground game. So a Philly, because their defense was better than it has been as well, of course. And, and to your point earlier on, of course, those two things are, are not mutually exclusive, right? It's often connected when the offense is finally doing something that hey, that helps out that helps out everybody else. So Philly third in the East, but with the Giants mm-hmm. loss. Right, Washington winning, so they're suddenly in control of, of the four seed at the moment. But all three of those teams, technically the Cowboys as well, with their win of four, and I mean, they, they are still mathematically in it. So how do you see that one unraveling? And is, is it Washington's to lose now, do you think? Or is it still a few more twists and turns here? What's crazy about this is every week I change my opinion on this, right? right? right. I'm, like, I'm like, the Giants got a shot. We got a shot. <laughs> but I will say this. With Washington's defense, I mean, Chase Young is – he got to be defensive rookie of the year now mm. with his play. Um, when you have a defensive front like they do, especially this time of year, if Alex Smith is on that field, they got a chance. Yeah. They got a chance. They, they, you know, that, the running back, the young guy, uh, uh, Gibson, yep. he is the man. He's the man. He'll be – they found one. He is great. So um, I think they have the best shot of winning this division. I, I truly believe because of that defensive front. I, I think it gives them a chance. Alex Smith doesn't turn the ball over, and we know that's important when you're playing uh, that kind of game, the kind of game they want to play. Expand on the Washington defense a bit, because as you say, Chase Young is a superstar and, and he, such a high-profile player. And a lot of our listeners are going to catch, if they're red zone watchers, they're going to catch the highlights, they're going to catch the key plays, but maybe you haven't, deep dived in, into Washington or don't necessarily haven't necessarily formulated an opinion about the, the unit as a whole. So just expand a bit on why this Washington defense is so effective. Well, first of all, when I always look at where your money is, right? Where have you invested your money as a team? 
Mm. They invested in the defensive line. Mm -hmm. They said, this is what we're going to be. And you see it now performing for them. And what that means is on defense, if you can be solid with your front four like they can, that means you can be creative on the back end. Mm. You don't, you can take risk in coverages. You can do certain things. You don't have to play man to man. You can confuse people because that front four is bringing the pressure and they can stop the run. That is the key. And that's what they do when you watch them play. The pressure they put on your offense all game because they beat you up up front is something to just be amazed by. You don't have to have the top corners, the top linebackers, the top safeties, because you are led by that front where your money is. And like I said, they can put pressure on the passer and they can stop the run and they don't have the blitz to do it because those are some bad boys up there. Yeah, there's a lot of balance in, in that side the more you look at it, right? And there are now six and seven, Washington. So in that fourth spot in the uh, NFC, the other playoff uh, uh, spots, the Packers at 10 and three, they have the number one spot now after that shock defeat for the Saints. What did you make of, of Taysom Hill? I mean, obviously it was a bad performance, but I was reading today, I think it was NFL.com. It might have even been Nick Shook, uh, apologies if not, but anyone of the NFL.com uh, writers was saying that's pretty much shown us that Taysom Hill is not the quarterback uh, uh, of the future. This was, uh, I guess, an audition for him in, in many respects. Last year, when Teddy came in for his cameo for those four or five games, that was a slightly different situation. And he parlayed that into a, a starting gig, obviously, with Carolina. But this is different because we think Brees is, is, is done at the end of the year. We feel this is his last year. That's the, what everybody seems to be saying. So there is that spot up for grabs. And Taysom Hill has said, hey, I'm a starting quarterback in this league. I believe I am. But he took a big, big regressive step with that performance last night, didn't he? Yeah, you know, the quarterback position is a tough one, right? Because there's a lot of ups and downs. Because once we were talking earlier, when you do something well, the next team says, we're not going to let you do that to us. Mm -hmm. We're going to make it hard for you. We're going to make this. We're going to make you do the things we think you're uncomfortable with until you show us your what's happening for Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is growing as a quarterback. I mean, he just got his first start. I mean, to me, he doesn't even look like a quarterback half the time out there and the way his gear looks on him, you right. know? Yeah, he, yeah. He's like, you know, he looks like an athlete. Like, I'm like, man, you got to loosen up those those ads <laughs> a little bit. You know, what's going on, man? <laughs> so I think it's the way he's seeing the game too because you yeah. see by the conversations when he comes off of the sideline. It's things he needs to recognize better and that comes from experience. If you thought he wasn't going to have his ups and downs, you haven't watched enough quarterbacks play because this is what happens and mm -hmm. yes they are trying to see in the future what they have in Taysom Hill and I believe they're going to roll with him and try uh, because Sean Payton is, is is letting you know he can build a game plan around him but mm -hmm. ultimately when you're the general on the field you have to see certain things and I, I think uh, Taysom Hill is having his uh, bumps in the road on how he sees the game progress when he's in there right you have mm -hmm. to adjust on the fly you're the one with the ball in your hand and um, this is what makes Drew Brees so amazing when he's out there because he's seen it all and can adjust to anything mm. in the moment's notice. That's why he's been able to play like he has, even though he's had a decline in his arm strength. And I guess like last year when Brees was out, Peyton will take, obviously not thrilled about the defeat last night, but he'll take the return he's got for with Brees expected back next week. Right? He'll take, take where the Saints are. In terms of that power ranking and the pecking order in the NFC, Jay Bell, you got the Packers on top, and based on what you were saying about Rodgers, I'm guessing they are uh, your number one seed as well, or, or maybe not. You got the Saints and the Rams bubbling under two, and then of course uh, the Hawks are in fifth, aren't they? With uh, 
uh, with that win. Then nine and four now. The Bucks bouncing back. Brady uh, getting his offense moving a little bit better than it has done in, in recent weeks. So out of the NFC playoff picture, who do you think uh, right now in your estimation of the strongest teams? In the NFC, let's think. Uh, yes, totally the Packers. Uh, I, do, I just didn't like the way the Saints defense played. Mm. They were my top team, but I, that, that, that didn't make me happy at all. Um, I like the Rams where they are <clears throat> because I like that they're led by their defense. I really do. What scared me and who's going to shoot up now is for some reason I think the Buccaneers might have found some flavor, man. Mm. I mean, <laughs> you know, if they get hot, man, if they just – that defense, man, that defensive line is the only one I can compare it to is Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And if they can continue to just dominate up front on defense and that offense and everything can click. I mean, you've got Tom Brady and a ton of weapons. Uh, I I agree. I agree with you totally. And that, I mean, the Scotty Miller play, I think was a really significant one, right? Because all we hear hear is, oh, the deep ball, the deep ball, the deep ball. And he he throws that strike. And Leonard Fournette was interesting, right? So he was a healthy scratch yesterday. So that, that they seem to be moving away from him. And I think that might actually help them if they say, Jones, you're our guy, get the ground game going with him. And there are so many weapons around him. Everybody's saying, well, that's the problem. He's got, doesn't know. I, I'm not, I'm not I'm with you on that hundred percent. The defense hasn't suddenly got bad overnight. Vita Bay is a, a big loss, but it's a strong D. It has been amongst the best D's all season long. And you're going into the playoffs with Brady and these weapons around you. I mean, I think they could be a dangerous, dangerous side when it comes to the postseason. Remember, no preseason, you yeah. know, uh, no preseason period, no preseason games, and you're on a new team. It takes time to get that rhythm. It right. takes time to get that understanding of how we see things. That's the main thing. Not yeah. only is it just throwing you the ball and you having to catch it, it's do we see the same thing the same way? And yeah. that's one of Brady's strengths. That's why him and Edelman went crazy. That's why him and Gronk uh, have always balled out. It's because they see the things on the field the same way. That takes time. And I'm starting to see a little bit of that. And mm. you never want to – it sees Tom Brady for a reason. If he gets hot, especially down the stretch, uh, who else has the experience and gives you the confidence as a team to know, man, we are in the championship rounds and we got the champ with us. Mm. Big time. Uh, on the Hawks, I said they had the fifth spot, nine and four now. Defense improving week on week, isn't it? Yeah, they are. But that defense – to You're me, it's so buying. tricky. You're still not it, I mean, it's, it's what they got to do. Their corners, to me, I mean, are not – they're not that good. Mm. Um, and what I think they do is they sell out. You know, they sell out to stop the run or they sell out to stop the pass. You know, they yeah. go back and forth. So, it's one of them things where if it works that week, it works. I mean, you can't discount Pete Carroll. He's a, a, a defensive genius, and he's always about uh, technically playing sound football with his defense. So he's obviously got his hands all over that. So I, I just don't – I don't feel a lot of consistency in there. Mm. Uh, and like I said before, in the beginning of the year, it was without that running game, um, it was all about Russell Wilson literally having the game of his life each yes. week. You yeah. know, that's why he was the MVP. Every week you were like, man, this dude is unbelievable. Mm. That's hard to sustain. That is hard to sustain. They have got pass rush moving, and, and Jamal Adams is, is you know, significant in getting in the face of quarterbacks. He set with uh, a sack against the Jets. He set the single-season record, hasn't he, most sacks by defensive back in the history of the NFL. I mean, that's a, a remarkable stuff. He was a high-profile acquisition. They're 
demonstrably weaker without him when he's not suiting up. How good a player is he in your estimation? Where, where is he in the grand scheme of things with uh, the J-Bell view right now? Well, first of all, he fits so well in that Seattle defense. Mm. I mean, we all remember Cam Chancellor. And there are certain guys that make a lot of plays at the line of scrimmage, in the box, I say. Mm. And he's that kind of safety. If he's attacking, he's winning. That's who Jamal Adams is. If he is attacking you, he is going to win that matchup. And Seattle does an unbelievable job putting him in those positions. And I, that's coaching. You know mm. what his strengths is. He's always been like that. He was like that coming out of LSU. And as long as he's playing like that, he's the best best box safety in the NFL. Yeah. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Cards with a win, they're in the seventh seed now. And again, this is the classic thing this season, right? That you have a couple of bad performances and everybody's sticking a fork in you and saying you're done and done. But seven and six, well, they're in the playoffs as of today. Uh, you mentioned Kyler Murray earlier on. I know you're a fan of his where are the cards here are they just making up the numbers if they make the playoffs or could they be a dangerous side I mean they can be as good as Kyler Murray is we've seen that all year it really is about him uh the way this offense is it's not that uh, it's not that creative um it's mm. it's it's creative in the sense that it works well for Kyler Murray but it, it's really all about him if you see him when he gets those legs moving and he's running uh they're hard to stop He's, he's looked like he's been hurt the past couple of weeks. His shoulder, yeah. he hasn't been throwing the ball the same way. Teams are playing him a certain way. Every time he's played against somebody who's pl- coached at the Patriots before, they all do the same thing. They keep him in the pocket. They jump. They make the throwing lanes uh, tight for him, and they jump because he can't see. You know, it's just what he is. He can't be taller than you are, and, and they play that. So – uh, he's going to beat you with his legs, and for them to continue to win, that's the thing. He has to break your defense down where you do everything right, and he mm. just becomes this better athlete. Just the same way Michael Vick used to do things. Yeah, right. You could right. do everything right, and then, you know, he gets out on the edge, and it just he just destroys everything. And even as a play caller, you start to panic because you're like, I got to call some things to stop him, and mm. that's when they get loose. So it's all about Kyler Murray's play. Did you, ever, you must have played against Vick. <clears throat> Oh, he embarrassed me. (laughs) Why? What happened? He embarrassed me before. I was, you know, I used to, uh, when I played, when we played against him when I was a corner and it was a little different in Houston. But when I played against him as a safety in New York Mm -hmm. and I had to come down in the box and play the flat, I just remember him rolling out and I'm in the flat covering, uh, I think it was a tight end across uh, the field. And I'm covering the tight end and I'm thinking, there's no way. Michael Vick can beat me at where I'm at. But the tight end sat down, so I had to sit down too because if I move, he throws it to the guy for first down. Right. And I'm like, I waited till Michael Vick was even with me, and then I took off. Man, if he's even, he's leaving. I've never seen a man <laughs> run. I felt like I was running in quicksand. He hit the <laughs> corner on me, and I've never felt so slow. No receiver has ever made me feel that slow. We won the game, but I remember looking at the film and the D coordinator saying, J-Bell, you, you just going to have to do better than that. He, that, that was the coaching. And it, was, it was embarrassing. I've never felt that slow. I, I literally was like, what is wrong with my body? Because <laughs> you, you got the go go get him, J-Bell. So that's it. Yeah, I thought I did. Yeah. I, no receiver has ever made me feel, not in short area quickness like that. Yeah, right. You know, I've been ran past, but that's different. But that like short area quickness, like what just like happened? A, uh, what, like a oh, blood. it was. 
and you got that moving fast. You got the coordinator doing what uh, the best uh, as as a parent. You'll you'll appreciate this as well. Doing the best thing you can do when uh, when your kids are misbehaved. Just the disappointment line. I'm just disappointed in you, Jay Bell. <laughs> that's, <laughs> no, that's no, right. no shouting. That man just... had no coaching. No coaching. <laughs> so I'm disappointed. You. you have let me down. That's gonna I stay did. with you. That's gonna stay I let with myself you. down. Matt, it's great to catch up with you, but um, we were chatting with us last week at the, uh, the Overtime Pod, so tell us more about what you guys are up to with that. Oh, man, you would love the Overtime Pod, man. It's interviews with interesting people, all different walks of life. You know us. We like to have conversations on everything happening in the world. Everything ties back into sports because sports is reality, but for the most part, it's just great conversations with interesting people. And, you know, we're always trying to find a way to let everyone know how much we are alike and how much we all see the world the same way. And hopefully if more of us think like that, real change can happen, my friend. Love that. Well said, man. Well said. Listen, it's great. And it's great to see that whole development of the pod because you guys have been rolling with that for a while and bringing just a different angle to things as well. And just to see the empire growing, J-Bell. The empire's growing. I like to see that. I like to see that. Uh Oh, man, I appreciate it. You have had a lot of these conversations with us off camera, so you know how we roll. And uh, thank you for always involving yourself in those conversations with OCNI. Man, it is a pleasure. It's great to catch up with you. Good to see you. It's been a while. Been too long. So come back and see us soon, yeah? No doubt, my friend. Lovely stuff from Jay Bell. He'll be back very, very soon. You can count on that. Uh, we are back Thursday for our week 15. Week 15, gang. Week 15 preview show. Tom Deacon amongst our guests for the Thursday show. So looking forward to checking in with him. Don't forget our Edge Rush show as well. Me and producer Ollie dropping every Saturday morning. Uh, so lots more coming your way as we roll towards the playoffs up to and including the Super Bowl. You can count on us to get you up to speed and everything you need to know. We'll be back Thursday with the preview show. Look forward to it. Bye for now, gang. Podcast Network.